uh, before I, I launch into my message, I just want to, uh, I need an announcement that this weekend, this coming weekend, is the uh, Prophetic and Healing Conference. Georgian Banoff and Chris Gore and Rick Pino leading worship on Thursday night, and then we'll be leading worship the rest of the time. Um, that's this weekend at New Wine Ministries over on West 38th Street. The evening sessions are free. And so um, if you want to come and carpool over and enjoy those, then I encourage you to do that. Um, I've been a part of the planning team and the organizational team of this thing. And, and uh, because of my privileged position, I was able to procure Chris Gore to come and speak here next Sunday. Chris Gore uh, leads the healing ministry of uh, Bethel Church in Reading. And so he'll be here with his team uh, to minister to us. So I encourage you to come, tell all your friends and family, and uh, show up in droves. Uh, we'll take up an offering for him, so come ready to give. Paul tells us, you know, he spoke to the, to the church, and he said, hey, we're on our way, so make sure your gift's ready. That's what Paul said that. So he's on his way. Get your gift ready. <laughs> Bring your check ready. Add a zero to whatever you think you should give. We want to really bless uh, Chris Gore. Amen. We want to, you know, God has, has privileged us to have so many anointed nationally and internationally recognized people to come speak at this church. And he keeps doing that because we keep honoring that. He keeps sending them and we keep receiving them. He keeps sending them and we keep blessing them. So let's keep that momentum and let's not take our tithe and then just write in the memo, oops, I forgot, give this to Chris Gore. Your tithe belongs here. Your offering can go to Chris. Amen. We won't preach about that today. But I will preach. He's on his way. Get your gift ready. That's the Bible. So Chris Gore's coming. He's going to minister to us and we're going to bless him right back. Amen. Another thing I want to announce or to kind of talk about and some of you know this, some of you don't. We've been working on our sound system here at the church. We've had our, uh, we had a board that we bought when we moved here in 2000. It was a Mackey board, and man, that thing has, it lasted forever. <laughs> 16 years, we've had a few channels, went bad, but we have upgraded our system. We are fully digital now. Woo! Yeah, the worship team's like, yeah! <laughs> so the rest of you applaud just because, I don't know why, but it sounds cool. <laughs> it's all right. Fully digital board. So we are able to now record our services multi-track. We can record all of our worship multi-track. Um, we're able to also give everyone on the, uh, all the musicians now get to have their own separate monitor mix instead of sharing one. <laughs> that's right. Go ahead, clap. You don't know what that means, but that's cool. Just clap. Just clap. Whenever I say something, just go, wow, that's awesome. That's right. So, 
but it took a lot of help from a lot of different people, and I really want to acknowledge Scott Farmer. I don't know if he's here, but um, Scott and his uh, helper guy, they ran all the cabling that goes from the sound booth all the way under our stage back over here, and that was an enormous amount of work, and they did it for an offering unto the Lord, so I really appreciate Scott and his buddy. Amen. And then after we ran all that cable, all of those cables had to have a connector put on the end of that. Some of you saw my Facebook post that I put out there and blew my mind, but Tammy Giddings <laughs> is the soldering queen. <laughs> that girl has soldered, with the help of Chris Hansen, they soldered 40 connectors on a Saturday. Yeah, so let's praise the Lord for that. So that was awesome. It was one thing I didn't have to do, and thank God for the body of Christ doing their parts. Amen. And then, so the last thing I want to acknowledge is, um, Alger, if you would, come here, buddy. Come on up. Grab your mic. So Alger has been a part of a class. Uh, Dr. Randy Clark has a official certified school of healing and deliverance and inner healing. And Alger signed up for this the first level of healing, uh, his healing class. And um, last Sunday, or last week, he completed the whole thing. And he's now certified through Randy Clark's healing ministry. Amen. So let's <laughs> praise the Lord for that. Well, I didn't expect this. I know you didn't. <laughs> it was a course that uh, was really, it was challenging. Uh, that's why I'm going to RTF next week, <laughs> following week. Get some healing. <laughs> Got a little beat up. Yep. It's good. No, but it was good. It was, in the, it was Randy Clark interviewing Bill Johnson and Bill Johnson interviewing Randy Clark. And Randy Clark also interviewed other anointed Men, of, men and women of God, Todd White, you got to hear his story and how he, how he came to where he is today. You got to hear um, Ian Andrews. He's back when um, Catherine Coleman was around and um, some of the testimonies that he's had. Uh, and then also Jim Maloney out of Christ for the Nations. Um, Heidi Baker. That <laughs> she's something else. And... Uh, then also there was a uh, one they interviewed from Argentina. It was kind of recorded back in the 90s and how they did their uh, revivals, open air revivals. And he says, "We make it big, they come." And that really, I mean, they don't they don't do nothing small. I mean, they have big open air. And he just said, "You make it big, their curiosity gets struck, and they come." And he just explained how God's anointing was there people were drawn to and how they were able to do ministry before they even started the um, revival meeting. And so it was just uh, amazing. We had to do a case study, so I know I pinpointed some of you. And uh, so then we had to put that online, and then we had to review somebody else's case study. And so, but it was really good. It stretched me, and it just, uh, and uh, also it just helps you to learn how to work operating a word of knowledge 
you can ask God for it, and he gives it to you. Amen. But it's just, it's just amazing, you know, and stuff. And, and now I'm thinking about going. There's two or three more levels, and so I'm going to continue on. But uh, get, get some healing first. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So you can hold on to that. Yeah, so it wasn't just a challenge for Alger. It was also Alger's beautiful wife, and she was helping him through all of this. But it was a blessing, and God used this, this really, I don't know, it's not a trial, but, man, it, it brought some stuff out. But it also refined some gold inside of you. So I just, I release to you. Let that gold come forth. Let the healing come from your belly, Alger. Let the words of knowledge and wisdom and prophecy come forth. Increase in the area of healing and miracles. We bless you today, Alger, for your faithfulness to push through and do the hard stuff. Thank you. And we bless you today, Alger. Increase, increase, increase. Go, go, go. Pray, pray, pray. Heal, heal, heal. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, my wife was a big help. She was my tutor. <laughs> Amen. And I've, as I've watched Alger in different scenarios and situations, I've, I've seen his, his word of knowledge gift increase. I've seen the gift healing increase. He's getting, I've heard testimonies that God is using him to heal. And so uh, we've got lots of people here who are healers. And so uh, we're going to get us all there because <laughs> it's available for all of us. But there are some who are tenaciously going after it right now. And I encourage you to find those people if you need a healing. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up because we're going to declare our mission statement together. If we can get that up on the PowerPoint. You guys ready? Salute or put your hand on your heart or hands on your hip like Superman or I don't care what you do. Do something that engages your faith because this is who we are. Amen. You ready? We are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will love deeply, serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, live holy, and go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Listen, I hope last week you guys took uh, what I shared seriously. I hope you started to investigate your heart, find out where you're struggling in the area of inferiority and in pride and spiritual pride because God needs both those extremes out of our lives so that we can do the part and be the part that God's called us. Amen. Having a mission from heaven is incredibly important. 
Jesus himself actually had several mission statements. Luke chapter 4, verse 17, it tells us, it says, The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Favor. Flavor and favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus, in the assembly, declared my mission statement. His mission statement. Matthew chapter 15. He tells us another part of his mission statement in verse 24. He says, he answers this. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, the story, the context is there's this Canaanite woman. And she wanted deliverance for her daughter. And Jesus said, no. I'm here only for the lost sheep of Israel. Now, after she begs him again, please, he goes on and he calls her a dog. This is Jesus, the lover of our soul, you know, the savior of the world, the great shepherd. You know, the only hope for humanity. Jesus, his mission on the earth was so specific that he said, it doesn't include anyone who isn't a Jew. That's hard to hear. You know, the equivalent of this, and, and, and this is completely not the truth, But I'm going to use it to make a stark point here. The equivalent of this would be like us putting out on our sign, out front, we're only called to white people. That's the equivalent of what Jesus said. Now that is completely untrue of who we are as a church. We are opposed to anyone who lives that way. But the point remains. Jesus had a very specific mission while he was on the earth. And most of us would have said it was too narrow, possibly a little racist. And yet, this was his earthly mission and if you think that maybe this was like an anomaly or Jesus was trying to just test this woman's faith let's go back a few chapters in Matthew chapter 10 starting in verse 5 
It says, these twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. He says, do not go among the Gentiles or even enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus was absolutely committed to those he was called to reach. Now, as we look at this from a couple of thousand years perspective, we can see that Jesus knew that once he preached to the Jews and they rejected him, that he would then reach the rest of the world through the Jews that believed him. We have that perspective. We realize that he wasn't narrow, he wasn't racist, he wasn't bigoted, he wasn't anything. He was on mission because he had a perspective that was bigger than the moment they lived in. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Wow. <laughs> wow, Jesus. You're so specific about your mission. Here's a little lighter one that'll cheer you up. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's his mission statement. Over and over again, Jesus kept stating and clarifying his mission on the earth. I mean, imagine if Jesus had no direction or higher purpose that he was living for. How would have things been different? I mean, what would happen if Jesus would have said, you know, eh, I don't know if I want to die for everyone's sins. That seems painful. You know, I've been thinking about the offer the devil gave me out in the desert. and You know, I think I'll skip the whole sacrificing part and go straight to the whole ruling the world part. Where would we be if Jesus opted out of his mission. The whole world would be lost. But thank God. Thank God that Jesus was absolutely 100% clear on his purpose in the earth. Can someone say amen? We have a great responsibility living out our 
personal and our corporate mission is paramount to the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. And listen, living out our mission, it's not for the faint of heart. To be successful, we need a clear direction from the Lord. And then we need faith to walk it out. Thankfully, we have a clear direction from the Lord. God's building our faith for that mission. Right now, we're in the process of learning and understanding what our mission is mean so that we can all live it out by faith. So, where did our mission come from? Where did our church mission come from? How did we discover what our mission is? How do we discover it individually? Our mission is a combination of biblical revelation and prophetic revelation. The biblical revelation comes from Scripture. All throughout the Bible, we are given instructions for how to be the church of Jesus Christ. Stuff like, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, stuff like heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and baptize them and, and teach them to obey. Those things are all a part of the universal mission that every single church has. Every one of us. It's not, that's not unique to our church. Us, First Baptist, First Assembly, First Press, all the first. They all have the same mission to do those things. Doesn't get any simpler than that. But that's not all. We also discover our mission by paying attention to the prophetic revelation that is given to us by the Lord. And this applies to us corporately, as the church, and it applies to us individually as the church. We have God's written word. And it is to guide our lives. But we also have God's prophetic word. And it too should help guide our lives. So how does this work individually? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 14, it says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Now, as I said before, we have a universal mission that is found in the Bible, but we also have an individual mission that comes to us many times through 
a prophetic message. Paul told his spiritual son Timothy not to neglect his gift that came to him through a prophetic message. Last week I read Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Amen? That's you. Those plans are for you, about you, to bless you, to help you, to future you. Now, some translations say, I know the thoughts I think towards you. See, God, he has plans. He has thoughts for you, specifically. And they're not exactly the same as the thoughts and the plans he has for me. Or even the person next to you. They may be very similar, but God thinks about each one of us individually. Amen? Understanding who and what we are called to be and what we're called to do is important. In fact, it's so important that Paul prays this prayer about this for you and I in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 16, he says this. He says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's a prayer that Paul prayed for us. And it's still carrying through to us now. And Paul prayed that we would have this spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know the hope of our calling. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says this to his son, Timothy, his spiritual son. He says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight. Everybody say, fight the good fight. You see, an army without a sense of direction or mission or prophetic purpose cannot fight a good fight. We actually just, we, we end up just wandering around on the battlefield. Where do I go? What do I do? We just end up wandering around only to be picked off. Your personal prophetic 
biblical mission is very important to God. I mean, where do you think Jesus got his mission? Jesus' mission came from the prophecies of Scripture. I mean, Jesus had such an important mission that all of his prophetic words were literally the Scriptures. And, and did you know that for Jesus, in order for Jesus to prove that he's the Messiah, he had over 350 prophecies to fulfill. 350. Wow. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I have less than 20. And I don't think I've fulfilled half of them. Amen. We all will. But you know what? I am warring with my prophetic words. I take what God has spoken over me, and I find it in the Bible, and I fight the good fight with it. Because I am desperate to do my part in the family, in the body. I'm desperate to do my part in the army of God. All of us should be intensely serious with our personal mission. You know, like, I don't know, how about we be radical and passionate and aggressive in our pursuit of God's mission for our lives? And not just our personal mission but also our corporate mission. You see, <clears throat> our corporate mission is just as vital as our individual mission is. Because we're part of a body. We're, we're a part of a family. We're part of the army of God. None of us is an island unto ourselves. And even though we have individual missions, like, like a hand has its mission, or the foot has you know, its individual mission, God still places us together in a specific body that has a unique corporate mission. New Covenant Worship Center has a unique corporate mission. And God places you and me here because our unique personal mission will support and enhance our unique church mission. Let that sink in. Sink in. See, you were born for such a time as this. You were placed where God placed you, where he wanted you to go. See, God has a generational will for our life, and God has a geographical will for our lives. In other words, he plans when you will be born, because he needs you to be great in that time frame. And he 
births you right where he wants you to be. Right where he wants you to work. Right where he wants you to minister. He has a generational will and a geographical will. We have a unique mission from the Lord. And just as we learn what our personal mission is from the Bible and from the prophetic words spoken over us, we, we also discover our corporate mission from the Bible and from the prophetic words that has been spoken <coughs> over this church. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, it says this. He says, Consequently, <clears throat> you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. So, Paul teaches us here that, <clears throat> that God is putting us together. And we become joined together as a church, as a holy temple. And Paul says that the way, the way that God builds the church together is through a foundation that is laid by apostles and prophets with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Now, what that means is that God's plan is for churches to be built on the revelation that comes forth from apostles and prophets. God uses apostles and prophets to declare the purpose, the identity, the mission, the direction, the spiritual DNA of what a church is to be and look like. Just like mom and dad come together and what they bring determines what this little girl or guy is going to look like. And when it comes to New Covenant Worship Center, God has built this church on the revelation that has come forth from apostles and prophets. Long ago, our apostolic founder, Lynn Furrow, brought a prophetic team to our church. It was... February 27th through March 1st of 1998. And we had just left Eric's basement. And we were now into the building, uh, the building that's next to Cafe Royal on the south side. I think it used to be Second Blessings. I don't know what it is now. But we had moved to that location. It's empty now. But that's where we were. We had moved from Eric's basement to there. It's the weekend of February 27th through the 1st of March. And that weekend, Lynn introduced us to this prophetic team. 
And we launched that weekend into the destiny of the Lord. It was at that weekend that God began to reveal who we were and what we were to do as a church. And it was a very powerful time of, of laying our foundation as a church. God spoke to us about, uh, spoke about us as a church, and he, and he spoke about things concerning uh, the region and our, our effect on the region. So, I would like to read some excerpts of some of those prophecies so that we can have an idea and an understanding of why God put New Covenant Worship Center on the map. Are you guys okay with hearing that? Good, because if you said no, I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> but I appreciate agreement. That's very biblical. Thus says the Lord. A new thing in this land. A new thing in this area. A new flavor, says the Lord. And I would say unto you that I am going to use you. I am going to use you that are in this place. To do that, what my word has spoken. And I would do in the last days. For I am going to raise up in these last days a house, a house of prayer. My people will be a people of prayer, says the Lord. My people will be a people of praise and a people of worship. For my people have gone far from that, says the Lord. They no longer desire to hunger and worship me. They no longer desire to hunger and praise me and seek my face. But I am raising up a new order, says the Lord, a people that will be different, a people that will hunger to pray, a people that will hunger for intercession, a people that will hunger to stand in the gap and to build up the wall, says the Lord. For I have searched the land and I have found no one who would stand in the gap and build the wall and in times that I have destroyed, says the Lord. But I want you to know this, I have not come to destroy, but I have come to build. I have come to build, says the Lord. I am going to pour out my spirit upon this land. And I am going to do great things. I am going to do great things. I'm going to pour out my spirit. I am going to begin to touch people's hearts. People of like faith, people of like mind, people who right now have my spirit working in their hearts. And I am working in them, and they are hungering, and they are hungering for a place, a place of prayer, a place of praise, and a place of worship. They are hungering and roaming and looking. But I say, I am raising you up to be that place of prayer, that place of praise, and that place of worship. And I am going to add to you, says the Lord, and I am going to bring them from the north, from the south, and the east, and the west. And I am going to bring them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I'm going to lead them 
by my spirit. I'm going to raise up a mighty army, says the Lord. It's going to tear down strongholds of this land, for people are bound and need to be loosed. I have called you to pray and seek my face. Listen, the enemy, he has set ambushments. Time and time again, he has tried to destroy your path, the path which I have led you. But I have spoken into your ears the plans and the schemes of the enemy, and thus far you have followed me well. You have missed those ambushments, and I will say unto you this, I know every ambushment, says the Lord, that is set up by the enemy's camp. I know every principality and every scheme that they do. And if you will just hearken unto my voice, listen to my leading, I will walk you around each and every one. For I will speak to my people, I will lead my people, I will direct my people. And as you walk in my ways and listen to my voice, I am going to rain upon you prosperity, says the Lord. I am going to rain upon you prosperity, not just prosperity of finances, but I am going to rain upon you a prosperity of people. I am going to rain upon you a prosperity of people, says the Lord. I am going to bring in pieces of the puzzle. Do not be discouraged, and do, do not be discouraged, but be patient, says the Lord. For not everyone that comes through your door will look at you and say, this is what I'm looking for. Because not everyone comes through the door, says the Lord. Not everyone is being led by my spirit. But I am going to bring people in of like heart and like mind. I'm going to add to your number. I'm going to add to your number. And I will say this, before the year is out, you will not recognize the place in which you are at. Before the year is out, before the year is out, says the Lord, as you follow my path, as you follow my spirit, as you follow my word, my direction, you will not recognize the place in which you're at. For I am going to build the house, and I'm going to make it what is pleasing to me, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. That says the Lord. This church will have enough older people for just enough stability. It will seem to be like a youth movement. For the most part, the greatest impact will be with young people. God is going to affect a generation in this city. He is going to raise up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God, says the Lord. This thing, New Covenant Worship Center, some will struggle and say the church is a bunch of kids. It's okay. God is going to arrest a group and a generation that are not going to have to wrestle with conformity to religious tradition. And God may emphasize this generation in a way that makes others feel uncomfortable. But God sometimes drives the pendulum one way in order that we don't compromise and then fall back to where we were. And what went on here tonight is a key to bringing revival to this region. The enemy has beaten them down to where they feel worthless and unworthy. 
And it's not been from the world. It has been from religious spirits that have preached a gospel of performance. This city, Newcastle, is filled with various messages that are communicated all the time, such as the Father's love is conditional on your performance. Not drummed up to where we feel. God, God has given us a key for revival strategy that is not hype, not the elevating of performance, not drummed up to, to where we feel, Daddy, don't you see what I've done? Now you can finally accept us. God has given us a picture of his heart and how it breaks for this city. And the Lord has given this church a key that will unlock renewal, refreshing, and revival among people so that they can understand their father loves them. Amen. And I'm going to read this last one. For the Lord would speak and he would say unto his people that this flood tide of my spirit, this downpour of my spirit that I'm going to send upon this region, even upon this city, says the Lord, that it shall be such a torrent, such a flood tide, says God, that it shall change the landscape of what is presently seen. For there is a boasting of the enemy in which he has spoken that this land shall remain the same. And those things which I have structured, those things which I have erected, those things which I have built, those things which I have exalted above the knowledge of God, the things which I have established to hold the people of the Lord back will not come down. And the Lord says that I am going to send that flood tide and it shall sweep away those barriers and it shall sweep away those structures and it shall sweep away those prisons and it shall sweep away those things that have blinded and which have hindered and held in bondage my people. For I would say that when I release the fountains of the deep the, and, the, and when I open up the heavens over the city, says God, that it shall totally reorient the landscape that those who have lived here in previous days, after the flood tide of my spirit goes through, they will not even recognize in the spirit that it is the same place. For there are those that have dwelt here and said, this is a dry land. This is a land that is filled with oppression. This is a land that is filled with spiritual retardation. This is a land that is uh, a land of spiritual regression. This is a land where the religious spirit has prevailed. That is the condition. But I, the Lord, would say unto you, my people, that after my spirit is through, that there will come a new confession over this land. That this land will be known not as a place of dryness, but it will be known as a well-watered plain. It will be known as a place that is a planting of the Lord. It will be known as an Eden of God. It will be known as a garden of God. It will be known for its lush, lush vegetation. It will be known for its fresh plants and fruits of my spirit, which I will bring forth in the earth. It will be known as a place of springs and waterfalls. It will be known as a place of waters that will come forth from my presence. So my people, I would say this day, understand and know what I am about to do in this place. 
and I ask you to reach your hands towards me. I ask you to lift your faith and release your faith towards me to release that flood tide and to release the heavens, for there shall be the sound of an abundance of rain, says the Lord. For some of you have been waiting, and it has been a, lo- it's been a time of transition. It has been a time of patience. It has been a time of waiting. But did I not speak to Elijah, my servant, to go up to the mount and to begin to pray? And as he prayed seven times, on the seventh time he looked out and sent the servant. He looked out on the horizon and returned back and reported that there was a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And I would say to you that right now, because of your patient, persevering intercession, says the Lord, because you have been faithful to pray for the rains and the floods of my spirit, says God, that I am going to be faithful. And even though you look on the horizon and it's only the size of a man's hand, do not be discouraged, for there is the sound in the spirit. A sound of abundance, says God, an abundance of rain, a flood tide of rain that shall come, says the Lord. And you will not be ashamed, and you will not be disappointed, for as you put your hope in God, He shall cause your shame to be turned into rejoicing, and your discouragement into hope, says the Lord. For this is a new day, for I do new things, says the Lord. So prepare for the flood, says God. Amen. Thank you, Father, for the word of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, We're not to quench the Spirit. We're not to despise prophecy. We have to hold on to the prophecies that were spoken over us. We have to war with our prophetic words. We have to be faithful to obey every word the Lord speaks. You were born for this moment in history. Our church was built for this very hour of darkness. To be salt and light. To be a city on a hill. We were put here to be a forerunner and a catalyst for revival in the next generation. We are a house of prayer. We are a house of praise. We are a house of worship. And we will reach the next generation. And we will do it in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Can someone say amen? Amen. Stand with me if you would. I believe that the Lord wants to release a fresh grace, a fresh faith for us to obey the word of the Lord for our lives and for the life of our church. So if you believe that, just I want you to just lift your hands because God's gonna He's gonna impart some grace right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I release to this house grace. Grace to obey the word of the Lord. Grace to do the word of the Lord. I release faith now into this place. I release faith upon these people. Send faith, God. Send grace. Empower us, Lord, as we take serious the word of the Lord. For us corporately and individually, as we take that serious, God, release grace now in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Just receive it right now. Just receive it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Faith, Lord. Release faith, 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 God. We don't have to do this in our own strength. It's the strength of the Lord. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So faith, 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 faith. God, release faith in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Say, I want more faith, God. I want more grace, God. Release it, Father. This isn't dependent on our natural ability and understanding. This comes from heaven. Heaven inside of you is going to accomplish his will. So grace and faith be upon us now in the name of Jesus. We receive it, Father. We will obey the word of the Lord, both the biblical word of the Lord and the rhema, the prophetic word of the Lord God. We release that now in the name of Jesus. I see scrolls in your heart. Some of you have, there's a, the Lord is, the scroll is being unfurled for you again. Just as it was when Jesus was in the temple and he read it and he said, this is now fulfilled. I see a scroll is being un, unrolled in the hearts of many of you right now. You will end your life saying the will of the Lord was fulfilled in me. The will of the Lord was fulfilled in me. So just prophetically in your mind's eye or even in, with your hands symbolically, just unroll that scroll in front of you and say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, 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 God, to your will. Yes, God, to your ways. Yes, God, to your purpose. Yes, God, to your plans. Yes, God, to your thoughts towards me. I have a future. I have a hope. It's in God. It's in my obedience to Him. Father, we receive it now. We receive you, Father. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit who lives inside me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that you didn't leave me orphaned, that you sent me a comforter, a teacher to accomplish the will of God. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for grace today, God. Thank you for faith. We will accomplish the will of the Lord in our generation. And we will prepare another generation to fulfill the will of God in their generation. So we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you for the purpose 
that you've put us on the earth, God, as a church and as the people of God. We are being built together and joined together. We are becoming a holy habitation for our God. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation be upon us and our eyes may be enlightened to the hope of our calling. We bless you, God, today. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for all that you're doing. We give you praise. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And everyone says really loud, Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. God bless you. Go and be awesome for Jesus. You are salt and light. Shine on.